I hope you paid attention to the words of the last hymn that we sang. Uh, it goes right into the message this morning, right into it, as to dealing with those tribulations uh, that come in life itself. So we're going to set the stage by looking at Acts 8, verses 1 through 8. It'll be projected. I'll be glad to read it for you and invite you to read along. Acts 8, verses 1 through 8. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they had heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many were, who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Such a dark hour <clears throat> in the life of the church, and yet such great reason to rejoice. It's your way, Lord, your marvelous, absolute, certain, most correct and perfect way to do what needs to be done to accomplish your purposes among men. May we see your handiwork not just through this story alone, May we see your miraculous work, not what we have just read alone, but recognize it in life itself as we experience it when you are with us in the darkest of hours, and yet you bring us through into the morning. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What a way to start a story <laughs> and saw a Proved of his execution, lynching. It's as if we are staring through the dust of dislodged stones that have been hurled at Stephen, whose broken, bleeding body lies half covered by the projectiles. One of the assailants is named Saul. While he didn't throw one stone, he was the lead crusader against everything Stephen lived for and died for. The fact that the garments of the executioners were laid at his feet reveals that Paul had a following. They were those committed to his instructions, his preference. And the fact he launched the campaign of terror among the Christians revealed the depth of his abhorrence 
for the disciples of Jesus and for the church. Verse 3 describes the beginning of his deeds of destruction. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. The word that is used in the ESV, ravaging, instead of destroy, as it appears in other translations, is more accurate in, in describing what was behind Paul's intent. This, this ravaging suggests sadistic cruelty, like a wild animal that has its prey and tears it apart. In his own words, later in the book of Acts, Paul confesses to his evil deeds. He said, Acts 26, 9 through 11, I myself was convinced that I ought to do, my, do many things in, a, in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them, often in all the synagogues, and to try to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them, even into the foreign cities. I want you to appreciate where this man is at this particular time in his life, because this sets a stage for a miraculous work that only God himself can do through the Holy Spirit. Who is this Saul? What do we know about him? Well, again, in his own words, as he, this is interesting. He is bearing testimony of who he is as he stands before a group of accusers. And you know who the accusers are? <laughs> it's the people that came out of the temple to bring accusations against him. This is after his conversion from Saul to Paul. And this is what he says of himself. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, meaning Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you, speaking of those Jews that were around him that day. This Saul of Tarsus, a Hellenistic Jew, he, he's, he, did, he wasn't raised in Jerusalem, he was educated in Jerusalem. He, he is a Roman citizen. He's a Pharisee. <laughs> and he is renamed Paul. The defender, now Paul, defender of the Christian faith. But that's next week's story. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Uh, do you remember the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples, the apostles, before he ascended into heaven? Acts 1.8. Let me read them to you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Because of persecution, the believers were scattered. 
Now, scattered here in the original language means kind of like sowing seed. It's done purposefully, not helter-skelter, but sowing for the sake of planting. The thought of all his disciples fleeing Jerusalem, leaving only the apostles, needs to be clarified a bit because it really implies that all were facing displacement. But more than likely, the many who would leave the city would be those who were the Greek-speaking Jews or the Hellenists. They were the ones that were first targeted in persecution. But the apostles, they stayed. They remained in Jerusalem. And we can only assume because they wanted to continue to witness to the Jewish population in the city. Because the message of the gospel was specifically to be directed to those Jews. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. It it shouldn't be assumed that somehow those who were scattered were, like uh, others, given a specific gift to preach. No, these are ordinary, everyday people exercising what was given to them as following Jesus Christ, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit, boldness in the gospel. They were simply followers of Christ, empowered to speak boldly of the life that they had found in believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Among those displaced or scattered was Philip. You remember Philip. He was one of the seven. Along with Stephen, he was one who would be selected to serve tables or basically to be in a position where he would administer aid to all those who were in need. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Remember Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Here's Philip right there in Samaria. Now, this isn't an introduction of the gospel to the Gentiles. This is a continuation of the message of the gospel to be specifically directed to the Jewish population. For them, all Jews, to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent by God to establish his everlasting kingdom once and for all. Samaritans, those living in Samaria, they were Jews. The Hebraic Jewish, however, the, the Hebraic Jews, however, had no good things to say about the Samaritans. They would be considered the Samaritans as being a mongrel nation, a nation of half-breeds. And how this came about is that at a time of occupation, when this specific area or all of Israel is occupied by foreign powers. It would be the Jews living in the Samaria area to intermarry with these foreigners and therefore compromise the purity of their race. And so then the Hebraic Jews held that against them. And there were a number of other things that kind of lit the fuse between the two groups. The dislike, even hatred between the two, covered hundreds of years. The Jewish rabbis, and this is a quote, said 
and I quote, let no man eat the bread of the Cuthites, and that's the Samaritans, for he who eats the bread, their bread is as one who eats the, swine, the flesh of swines. Ooh, that's pretty nasty. A popular prayer of those days, particularly again by the Hebraic Jews, was, and I quote, and Lord, and this would be primarily the Pharisees, not the Sadducees, and Lord, do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. Great place in their heart for these people, don't you think? Hmm. And you can be sure that the feeling towards one another went both ways. Now, Philip would have been recognized as one who had been looked down upon by the Hebraic Jews. Why? Because he is a Greek-speaking Jew. He is a Hellenist. And as a Hellenistic Jew, he would not have been particularly welcomed in Jerusalem. And more importantly, because he is now one of those called Christians, though they haven't been called Christians yet, but a follower of Christ, would also be shunned by the Jews. I've, I've often quoted uh, the work of uh, Kent Hughes, and I want to just share this description for you. He writes, speaking of Philip, he was in fact a refugee in a hostile environment. He was not in Samaria by choice. Persecution drove him there. He probably would have liked to have remained in Jerusalem but once in Samaria, he was so full of the love for Christ that he could not stop telling others about Jesus. His power came from a heart love for Jesus. And before he knew it, he had a revival on his hands. <laughs> Loving Jesus enough to this, without any shame or reservation, talk about the one who loved him died for him, gave his life for him, Jesus. Philip proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Through signs and wonders, does that sound familiar? Well, wasn't that the same thing that Stephen did but through signs and wonders? Wasn't that the same thing that the apostles used, signs and wonders? Believe it or not, it was the same thing that Jesus did through signs and wonders to give validation to the truth of the message that was proclaimed first by Christ, then by the apostles, then by Stephen, and now by Philip. There was so much joy in that city. What a contrast! What a way to wrap up a, a section of scripture, a passage is saturated with all kinds of bad news, accounts of terrible things that have happened to, to Christians. We read of men and women being dragged off to prison, people being run out of their homes, families being torn apart, good people, God-fearing people, Christians. Such bad and terrible things. It was not something that, that they would have chosen. It wouldn't be the plan that they had designed for the, for the message to penetrate the world, for, for them to be messengers and go into the world. This isn't the way they would, would have wanted to go. 
The people were being displaced. They were refugees. They were running for their lives. But they held true to the word. And it's interesting that not only did they hold true to the word, they preached it. They told others about the word, the living word, Jesus Christ. Their unfavorable circumstances wasn't something that they were going to blame on God. They, had, they, they weren't looking for reasons to leave the faith. They were claiming every reason to remain in the faith as they had found it, as the word had been taught them, shared with them through the apostles. Before the apostle Peter, I'm sorry, before the apostle Paul ever wrote the words that are contained in Romans 8.28, these people put it to practice. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things, good things, bad things, things in between. It is God's design as we trust in him that he will get us through it all, whatever it may be. I love Proverbs 16:4. The Lord works out everything for his own end. <clears throat> You know the story of Joseph. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament? Joseph, the son of Jacob, the favored son, the son who was despised by his brothers. Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph, whose disappearance was covered up by the deceit and lies of his brothers. Joseph, who finds himself in Egypt in prison, and then favored by Potiphar, doing well until a cunning and shrewd woman, Potiphar's wife, brings accusations against him, and Joseph ends up in prison. Joseph, interpreting dreams, looking for an avenue to get out of prison, waits two more years before he finally has his audience before Pharaoh because Joseph is pointed out as the one who can interpret dreams. And Joseph interprets those dreams and tells Pharaoh of a famine that's going to sweep the land. And seven years good, seven years bad, good and bad. Joseph, who had the oversight of making certain that Egypt would be taken care of. Joseph, who was in a position to welcome his whole family, Jacob, and his, his brothers, who traded him into slavery, into Egypt. And then Jacob dies. And these brothers, who turned against Jacob so many, I mean, turned against Joseph so many years before, comes to him out of fear of what Joseph now may do to them. And Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow. The, the 
the good that comes out of bad. Listen, you folks know this. You've experienced it firsthand. Those of you who have been faithful to Jesus Christ and have gone through some of the darkest hours of your life know that God has always been there with you through it. When I looked at the passage of Scripture for this morning, early on in the week, the first, the first thing that came to mind was a song by Andre Crouch, Through It All. Through It All. I just want to read a couple of verses to you. He wrote and sang... And I encourage you to go online and listen to it. It's a powerful song. Now, it's not contemporary. It's old like me. But it's a good song. Through it all. Through it all. I have learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned to trust in God. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon his word. That's exactly what happened in this passage of Scripture. Those refugees, those people running for their lives, the only thing they were doing was trusting in his word. Now, if you need an example of good coming out of bad, just look at the cross. Just look at the cross. The perfect Son of God, sacrificed on a cross. The ugliness of a crucifixion for the sake of forgiveness of sins for you and for me. You talk about something ugly. You talk about something cruel. You talk about something bad. It doesn't get any worse than that. But look at the good that has come from it. And not only the good that has come from it, but the good that is still promised to come. Of how many more lives can be won to Christ as we would point them to Jesus Christ. As we would point them to the cross. As we would point them to the God who brings the good out of the bad. God so loved the world. God so loved this ugly world. God God so loved us. That he gave his son, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but to have everlasting life. It doesn't get any better than that. That's the most beautiful story ever written. I was, I, I'm saving it for next hour. Uh, I've got a story I wouldn't have told, but I'm going to save it for the next hour to see if you want to hang around. Yeah. But I just want you to reflect in your own lives right now as we close this this time together. I don't know what you're going through even now, but I I know for a fact that there are some who are dealing with some really heavy stuff right now. And I know that all of you have gone through some, some really, I'll just say, bad times. But you, as a people of faith, you who cling to the word, you know that God will see you through it. He has seen you through it before, and he will see you through it again.
And so as dark as it may appear, even at this moment, as Jeff shared with us in the opening comments, joy comes with the morning. There is there's light out there. And Jesus is the light to illuminate our ways through the darkest, the darkest thing this world can throw at us. So, as dark as it is, claim the joy that is yours in Christ Jesus.